This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, brought to you by Anything Is Possible, AIP.media. And I'm Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here. It's the end of the year. Happy New Year to you, bees. End of the year, the beginning of a new year, as we say. New year, new vibes, new action, new football matches, as we say. And we've got a football game lined up for you Sunday. The day after New Year's Day, Aston Villa make the trip to New Griffin Park. And we're going to be talking all about that match as well as other things. I'm sitting here in the virtual joint after having lots of festive, festive fun. <laughs> and I'm sitting here with my mate Laney. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Yep. I'm still buzzing a little bit from a defeat, which is a very strange feeling. Um, but yeah, yeah, Man City the other night was quite special I thought and uh, as you say new end of a fabulous year 2021 has been exceptional um, if 2022 is half as good it's going to be amazing and then we've got Aston Villa for um, our first new year for, you know, first game of the new year so yeah lots to talk about lots lots of positivity um, and lots of looking back in a in a very very uh, positive way as well. Indeed, indeed. So listen, I mean, listen, we're going to crack straight on here as well. Uh, just to let you know what we've got coming up. Like I said, to you, we're going to chat about the Man City game. We're going to be looking back at the Man City game, listening back to what the fans had to say as well for the Man City game. As Laney, we'll be discussing that match. You know, the pros and the cons. You know, uh, we got a result. You know, <laughs> we've been a bit small time celebrating a defeat. You know, some people are sort of laughing at us just celebrating a defeat. But you know, is it small time or is it a sign of the fact that Brentford are moving? forward um in a, in a in a particular type of way also like i said to you we uh we're coming out of 2021 you know 2022 as most of you listen to this in 2022 as well so we're going to look back to 2021 again uh, people's telling us their 
favourite moments of 2021 as well. We also got Dan from Heart of the Holt, which is the uh, well, it's a blog, it's the podcast from Aston Villa as well, and he's going to give giving us the vibes in the Villa camp at the moment. JB's going to give us usual facts and funk, and just you know, we'll just be talking lots of football. But anyway, listen, talking about 2022, I think it's the first day of the year. Probably New Year's Day or the day after New Year's Day, the transfer window opens, Laney. And uh, as you probably know, I'm besotted. We, we decided that we just, you know, after after sort of chasing quite a lot and doing a lot of transfer stuff back in the day, we just thought, tell you what, we'll do, we'll sit back and we wait till some information has come out, and then we'll drop it on people's heads. You know, if the information is there, just like you know what we did with the Frank Onyeka live in the, in the Besotted podcast when we yeah. spoke to, uh, to to Rasmus about that. You know, we tried to actually kind of get the information. If it's if it's if it looks like it's if it's you know there, there's some some legs to it, isn't it, lady? Yeah, it's, it's it's difficult, isn't it? It's getting that balance right. There's so many clickbait um, sites now that kind of will will print anything that's linked anywhere. Um, and you know, let's be honest. Brentford are going to be in for a fair few players. I would have thought because you have to you have to chase a few before you catch any. Um, you know, there's a lot of lot of teams going to be now after the players that we, we're after. We're not now looking for championship quality players. We're looking for players that will take us onto another level. You know, there's there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of churn, as they say. Um, you know, players in our own squad are going to be under scrutiny as well. Um, we need. We now need to know that you know if a player comes in, he improves what is already a, a pretty good Premiership squad stroke team. So um, the, the 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 quality has to be upped, and you know there's a lot of there's a lot of teams, or a lot of clubs fishing in the same kind of quality pool as us. So you know all the advantages that we kind of had over smaller you know in bra- in brackets smaller clubs um they're not they're not so clear not so defined anymore so yeah it's 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 going to be a busy time i think yeah definitely a busy time and you know just looking at the positions that we are Brentford are scouting at the moment now you know i mean there's an argument people say oh no we need to scout for every single position but as we know in january we don't normally uh buy unless we really have to you know unless we feel it's actually going to strengthen our squad because it's normally a very expensive time to buy players at this time it's very difficult to get hold of players you know uh, everyone knows about the story back in the day when we you know we, when we were going for the playoffs in the in the in the first division and uh and we we, we tried to strengthen then but unfortunately the manager at the time decided that it wasn't right but you know but there are times when Brentford will make the moves and it looks like that this window is a time that we're going to make the moves because we are in the Premier League and we want to stay in the Premier League and we realise that there are a few weaknesses in our side that we need to strengthen up on so uh, the first area that we know that we are definitely looking at is uh, is right back since um, is, you know since uh, Dalsgaard went to Michelin, the end of the season, actually a great player, Dalesgaard. You know, there's a little bit, a little bit of a hole missing, you know, which has been really, really, really filled very well by Sergi Canos, who's done a great job at right wing back, right back there, filling that hole as well. You know, he's also got Maz Roslev also is in playing that position as well as a defender. But we know that we've been looking and we had this player who was actually lined up from the summer and uh, we lined him up to buy him in January. A guy called Vanderson from Brazil. A uh, very good Brazilian player, played from Gremio. I speaking to my Brazilian contacts down there, and uh, they were saying, you know, Gremio got relegated. So they were sort of saying to me, why are you buying a player from a relegated team? And I'm saying, that's what Brentford do. Apparently, he's a shining player. They're, they're great light out there. So about 10 million euros, I think it was, or roughly around then, is what the prize was going to be. But he opted to go to Monaco, from what I can understand. So that deal is now 
dead, which is a shame. But I think it still goes to show you that we've still got other players lined up for that 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 that, that position. So right back is or right wing back is a key position for us. Sabine Laney, your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's it's a clear and obvious one, isn't it? Um, you know, regardless of the players that we've got there now, you know, as I alluded to, you know, a few minutes ago, it's, it's like everything's up for grabs now. We have we have to kind of go through every player in our current squad and work out whether they're good enough to to take us forward. It's not about necessarily. I mean, part part of the you know between now and the end of the season, it's, it's clearly about you know surviving um, and staying at this level. Um, but beyond that, um, which is probably the next transfer window, um, but maybe maybe merges into this one, we have to work out whether there's there's, a, there's an opportunity of bettering what we've got to to make us kick on another level next year because we have got you know a lot of money you know comparatively to what we've been used to and uh you know we're we're able to there's there's little excuse now not to go out and and if there is a clear and obvious hole as you said losing dale's guard you know we were all a bit you know really are we not gonna we're not gonna replace like for like or we're not gonna we're not gonna go for a big sign in there um, so now's that, now's the first opportunity since the start of the season to do that. So yeah, yeah, I think I think the the, the right back situation is is a clear one, mate. Yeah, and, and th- again, this is not a dis- when I was thinking about this again. You know, how do we talk about these things? I mean, I've written an article for the Guardian again on transfers, and it's really difficult because they ask you, you know, who's who's been positive, who you're going to bring in, who you want to let go, and you're thinking this is a disrespect on the players out there at all that we've got. It's a case that you know, at the end of the day, you know, what you want is a squad that you're going to have. That if you're bringing players off the bench, the players that are coming off the bench, you know, are equally as strong as the players that you got out there, and also if you need to rotate players as you're playing your games you know that the players that you're rotating will come in and do an equal job so it's not a disrespect on Sergi Canosis and your Roslevs and, and even your Finn Stevens. you know I think it's just a case that everyone knows that we just need to strengthen ourselves to make sure we stay in this division and also step up a level so that we're actually a team that when we play another team they go oh my god look at the bench that they've got here or they've they've got a player who's injured but look at the players who's come in he's equally as strong so I think that's kind of a very key thing you know that we need to realise that now it's not a disrespect um, what other players we're we looking at as well we've got um, well obviously we know there's been a goalkeeper issue because obviously Araya has been out um, we've got Fernandez, who's been playing uh, recently, who we know as you know. We've, we've talked about how we think he's actually improved uh, quite a lot. You know, I'll talk about the Man City game in a bit. Actually, I'll watch that all the way through as well. Who Fernandez? You know, who has improved um, somewhat? He's played as many games as Ray. I think he's played nine games now this season. So he's uh, at the moment is our first choice keeper as well. But we've brought in a keeper from uh, from Denmark, um, Jonas Lossel as well um, he's coming from Denmark as an FC Michelin he's actually a, I think he's from Finland I think he's a, I think he's a Finnish goalkeeper anyway and Jonas Lossel no, he's, he's Danish he's Danish, he's Danish oh, he? yeah. okay he, but he used to play for uh, he played for he, he used to play for um, uh, Huddersfield, Huddersfield and also Everton, Everton as well um, and Mainz that's right and, uh, and, they, and they rate him they rate him highly as a keeper so uh, Lossel's come in now Lossel's come in as a backup to Fernandes as well so it's to, to, to know that we've got two you know good quality goalkeepers out there while we're waiting for Raya to come back from injury so that's uh, another move that is happening you know in this window you know thoughts on that Laney? Yeah, he, he seems to be, you know, he fits the mould, doesn't he? A eh? Danish. Um, he's played uh, every um, national level from under-17s, under-18s, under-19s, 20s, 21s, and he got um, a full Danish cap in 2016. 
Um, he's got Premier League experience with with being at Everton, and he was, you know he was with Huddersfield as well. Um, uh, he's something that's a bit different about him, which we won't have seen for a while. Is he's actually really tall? Um, our goalkeepers haven't uh, necessarily been the tallest um, in recent recent times. He's six foot five, so he's a he's a big lad, as they say. So um, I would imagine he's kind of got a big presence. Now we'll see whether he's literally is just cover, um, or he gets game time. But so his, his distri- ball distributions is obviously going to clearly be something that the, the you know the DOFs would have would have looked at. But um, you know, someone obviously with a missing landing we, we, we trust. So uh, yeah, we welcome in here, and he, and he gives us a bit more strength and depth, doesn't he? That's right. That's right. And then talking about other goalkeepers as well, we've got Gunnarsson who has, uh, you know, Patrick Gunnison, who has been out on loan, actually at the Viking, okay, as well. So uh, he was out on loan at Viking. Now, from what I can remember rightly, I think there's a bit of beef for I think he, he had a bit of a sort of punch-up with his, with his own teammates in the middle of a match sometime, and I don't think it went down particularly well. So uh, it's no real surprise that he's returned on loan he from Viking. He feigned injury, didn't he? Uh, that's he right. He feigned injury. That's right. He, yeah. yeah, he went down and he, he, did a, he did a Foden, didn't he? He just did, you know, he did a Foden, <sighs> just went, went down and, and there's no one around him. And uh, yeah, so I don't think it went down particularly well. So it's no real surprise that he's returned on loan from Vikings. So we have a we have another goalkeeper back in the camp as well, you know, which is all good. So uh, yeah, so we're, we're loaded up with goalkeepers again, waiting for Araya to come back. Well, hopefully he'll be back in in a couple of months' time, hopefully to see the end of our season out as well. Um, other other players as well. I mean, talking about other positions that we're looking at. Um, there is another position that we were looking at. Now we talked about this a lot in the podcast, and obviously at the end of the season beginning of this season we expected someone to come in hopefully in a sort of attacking midfield stroke a left winger type position um, because we didn't replace Ben Rama for the whole of last season we didn't replace Ben Rama we went up without uh, inverted commas Ben Rama in our side and we thought that maybe with us in the Premier League we might actually uh, get a Ben Rama in that hasn't really happened as such um, but uh, there's been word on the street we've obviously looking at Brennan Johnson who is a player from Nottingham Forest, and uh, they've been raving about him. Nottingham Forest have actually uh, they've they've actually sort of peaked, or you know they've actually sort of kind of got a lot better this season than when they started off. You know uh, they've got our mate from Swansea at the helm now, and sort of they're doing all right. You know they're, they're I think they're just below the playoff places. I mean if you if you look at their xG, they're actually probably as as is usual with Forest. Probably uh, their their league position is higher than uh, and their, than their their performances, and the fact that they're putting balls in the back of the net. You know, at a, at a rate that maybe the stats say that maybe the, you know, not say they shouldn't be. You know what I'm saying? But they're doing they're doing better than 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 what the stats are saying, which is great for Forest at the moment. Now, whether or not it'll it'll, it'll carry on, that's a different story altogether. But I think the main point is Brennan Johnson is in there, so the Forest fans are saying we need to keep on with him. We need to hold on to him for a promotion push. So uh, Brennan Johnson, twenty million pounds is what they've been quoted for him. Whether or not this is too rich or not for Brentford, we don't know. But there's another player that we've been sniffing around. It's all over the press at the moment now. We've held it down for a few weeks because we want to make sure this deal happens. It's Mikhailo Mudrik from Ukraine as well. Um, he's a young player. He hasn't played that many games for them. You know, he plays for Shakhtar. He hasn't played that many games. I think he's only played 17 games in about three years for them. But it's been a good season for him now. So he's one of those up-and-coming talents that Brentford love to get in and we love to kind of nurture them and take them to the next level you know so you know the thought was you know is it going to happen we've had a we've had a I think we've had a deal that's been turned down we've got another deal that's gone in we'll see how it goes you know from what I can gather 
you know, speaking to our sources in Ukraine, and we have got sources in Ukraine, honestly, we do. Um, he's quite potty for it. He, he likes he likes the idea coming over. It's still very young for him, but the idea of Premier League, he's got big thumbs up for that. But obviously, it's not up to him. It's up to Shakhtar to actually see whether or not they want to accept our money and, and move forward. Now, what's quite interesting is that there's been a, 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 a little bit of a move where there's a player called David Neres, and he plays for Ajax, and Shakhtar have actually put a bid in for him, which is about 15 million euros. He scored 37 goals in 117 games for Ajax, and they kind of bring him in. He's a 24-year-old, so he's older than uh, than Mudrik, as it is. So, it, you know, there, there, is a, there is a thought going out that, you know, they're thinking, tell you something, we could get the money in to get a more experienced player to help us with our Champions League campaign. You know, the Shakhtar Donetsk, you know. So, uh, listen, let's just see how it goes. Again, like I said, we're throwing it out there. This is kind of information coming from our sources from the Ukraine. But um, if this happens, I mean, he's meant to be a bit of a Neymar-type character, they call him. That's quite exciting, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think I think that's, you know, what you, you said rightly, you know, it's a, it's a, the balance is kind of... Be having manners with the current squad and and you know not not dissing um, them because you know they're the ones that got us to this 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 Premier League um, this this lofty place that we're in now. But you know we we all know that we're we're some far some way behind teams like you know Leicester and Brighton and one or two others that have had a couple of years here. They they they've got sort of bigger squads and you combine you combine. Um, some of their wing wingers that they they're able to call upon. You know, we, we're we're light in the attacking areas. I'd say in in, in creating um, you know creating chances. We're relying on the same players, and we need to rotate sometimes. So we, uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting. It's just part of the evolution. We just have to get. We have to have a bigger squad, and we have to have more quality in that. You know, the, the, you look this, you look through our squad. It's, it's very very young, very very inexperienced, and that can get you so far um, but you know I think the DOFs and the, the owner and it's gearing up to be pushing for top 10 um, and Europa League positions you know they, they, they've achieved that at Midtjylland so it, it's not it's not pie in the sky dream stuff it's that's probably the next the next kind of benchmark on their kind of trajectory yeah and uh, I mean look just coming back to the squad as you were talking about Laney I think the the, the key thing is here, you know, we realise this very much so from the last two or three months that we've been in. We have got a paper thin squad, not saying that we've got a, you know, you know, we've got numbers. OK, but when it comes to strength and depth, we've got players who probably need much more experience in this field, in the, in the division that we're at. So, you know, when we get some, you know, when we get injuries, when we have to substitute players in, when we get coronavirus, you know, we get players coming in who, you know, listen, it's great. They're getting great experience out there. You know, we have players out there who are basically playing for our B team before who are playing against Man City and holding their own. So that's very good for us in the long term because they're getting good Premier League experience. But at the same time, like I said, we need to, to need to you know we need to build our, our squad up because we do need the strength and depth as you said now you could also only build your squad up if you'd send players out because we are numbers wise we're probably at our hilt we're you know at the edge of where we we need to be you know with our squad so we need to let players going out so I think the most natural thing is to look at you know players who are not getting the game time and not anywhere near the squad where you might think that they they should be or maybe players who have got a bit of a value but are actually kind of like at the moment now not getting the game time so maybe they need to go out and get some game time elsewhere and free up space for other players to come in so uh, you know looking at that you know I think one of the most obvious op- um, options for that is uh, is Fosu 
for a start because Fosu is a player who is, you know, he was he was a key player for us in the Championship season, but he's not getting a sniff this season. And I think the idea of us just sort of holding on to him, hoping he's going to sort of pop up at some time, I don't think that's going to really happen. So Fosu is probably going to be one of the first ones that's going to either go out on loan or go out for a move. I mean, I remember there was a move to Swansea that was meant to happen and it fell down at the last minute. And uh, and obviously, but interestingly, because obviously the Swansea manager. Um, was uh, he's, he's not at Swansea anymore. He's at Nottingham Forest. <laughs> so I wonder if Fosu's going to end up at Nottingham Forest. That could be an interesting one, Lane. Actually, couldn't it? Yeah, you know, you, you're right. It's, it's it's about you know <laughs> being in this level is is brilliant, but it cre- it creates problems in so much as you've got to keep a squad of players that are probably just about Premiership quality um, motivated and 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 get them game time so they can improve. And we we can only do that with with a certain amount of them. Um, you know, Marcus Force is another one where you know we've seen him go out on loan before. I mean, I'm not I'm not for one second saying that it should be the case with him again. I I, I like Marcus. You know, um, we'll talk about one of the incredible moments that he helped create um, during 2021 that Bournemouth playoff game. So I, I want to see more of him, not less of him. Um, but we, we we are kind of slightly square peg and round holes. We have to change the way we play quite a bit to get him in the team, and that works when you've got um, you know you've got the sort of the league cup to experiment with. Not so much in the prem, where we're very much about Mbumo and Tony, aren't we? Um, but I, I do think we need similar kind of um, uh, swap outs uh, and, and someone out someone out on the on the left as well. Probably yeah, a lot of our a lot of our you know. Danger comes from from down the right hand side as well. So, I, 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 it's there's some big. You're right. It's some big big old decisions, and we to bring in. We have to we have to let go or 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 push out on loan. So it could be a very busy January. Yeah, and you're talking about Marcus Force. I mean, I think it's inevitable that Marcus Force is going to go out on loan this window. He's uh, he, I say he didn't get a start against Chelsea as well and you know and and again it's you know it's about our system and whether or not he fits within with it you know whether or not he needs to get game time he has got value he's got massive value especially in the championship and there are also a lot of rumors being flying around as well he's been linked with Nottingham Forest he's been linked with West Brom he's been linked with a lot of teams and I think you know for Brentford it actually may work out to be quite timely to try and get Marcus Force to move so that he can at least get more game time, get himself out there as well. And for us, you know, like I said, we, you know, if we need to free up some space, if that is yeah. the case, but we'd, we'd have to, we'd have to bring in though, wouldn't we? We couldn't let, we couldn't let him go and not bring someone in up top. We couldn't. No, no. Again, and this is like I said, this is what's interesting. And also, the other thing is, don't forget there is a balance up because we know you're talking about Marcus Force, and we could also talk about you know Dominic Thompson, who interestingly Dominic Thompson was kind of like a player who was you know he was on his way out. You, you, you didn't you know he was just he didn't feature. He went to Swindon, didn't have a great time at Swindon. He's come back at us, you know, and uh, he didn't feature. And all of a sudden, he's next minute he's popped up against you know Manchester City, like you know, and uh, was it Chelsea as well? He played against you know so or Brighton. He played against Brighton and. He played against Manchester City. He got man of the match against Manchester City. You know, um, he's our backup left back. You know, again, there's a lot of conversation about people saying he's got uh, he's got you know player of the match against Man City. You know, had a great game. You know, defensively he had a great game. His passing game probably could be a little bit better. We're not sitting down there criticising, but we need to kind of you know say these things out there. His pass accuracy is about 40, 45 or forty seven percent, I think, in that game, and we all know that because we can see what it's like. But maybe it's a confidence boost that he needs. But again, you know, he's got himself in the limelight. People are thinking, hold on a second, this player 
area looks quite decent. You know, is this an opportunity for Brentford to say, right, here you go, he's in the shop window now and we can actually put him out and put him out on a loan because from what I can gather, his uh, contract is up at the end of the, in the end of summer, Dominic Thompson. So we need to be making some moves on him now. He needs to either be, you know, re-signing with us, you know, within the next sort of few weeks or are we going to be definitely going to have to be moving him on, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's the perfect example, really, of, of you know working out where we need to be for next season, um, and if there's an opportunity to to bring someone in. You know, the other the other kind of angle that we've we've spoken about in the pub, not so much on the podcast, is whether we look to the loan market, which is is something that is not been a Brentford thing to do over the last three four years. Um, more more so sort of before that um, but is 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 that something that the DOS will be looking towards um, so instead of having to you know you, you, we've seen with some of the current deals the last few signings um, the the rumored um, package that the, the Ukrainian kid um, is, is you know it's a six it's a five and a half year deal so it would have been six back back at the beginning of this season so we're looking at giving players six year deals now um, you don't really want to be doing that for a kind of a knee-jerk January just to get you across the line. So the loan, the loan window um, might be something that we, we look towards now because it means that we can bring sort of the experience and the quality that we probably don't really want to buy, but it, it gets us to the, the end of the season where we can actually sort of um, look at a long-term solution or a long-term improvement. Yeah. And I, and I see the Norwich fans have been absolutely lambasting uh, is it Billy Gilmore as well, or known from Chelsea, the Scotland player as well. You know, they were sort of singing well, F off out of our club at, the, at their last match. From what I can see, I've seen some videos up online and uh, it's, it's a bit strange because he's actually playing for uh, for Norwich. So uh, so they're not happy with Billy Gilmore. So we're just thinking if they're not happy with him, maybe they could just send him down to Brentford and we'll take care of him for six months. Like, you know what I'm saying? As, as long as they pay his wages, we don't mind. I'm sure that's the case. But anyway, look, so that's, uh, that's a bit of a transfer roundup. We'll be doing much more of that over the next few weeks as it is, but we just thought, like I said, we'll give you a little bit of a taster before the window opens in a few days' time. But um, talking about a few days' time, we'll look, we're going to look back a few days, actually, at the game against Manchester City, where Brentford had the champions of Europe... Or is it the champions of the UK? I don't know. I keep getting confused because I... yeah, they're, they're, they're Premier League champions, Bill. They, they lost the Premier League. They, they lost the Champions League. No, no, no. But it's just Leeds United keep on confusing me with these things. I keep on getting confused as to who is actually the champions <laughs> of Europe. You see, so uh, I have to just ascertain every time one of these big teams come down. But anyway, Manchester City came down to New Griffin Park. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. So Man City came to New Griffin Park. It was a tight game. It was an exciting game. It was good atmosphere at the match. Um, we could talk about this so the cows come home. But instead, we're going to go back to that evening. We're going to talk to Man City fans and Brentford fans who chatted to us after the game in the stands and also in the pub. I thought we were very good defensive, uh, low, low block, but uh, didn't give him many chances. And we still managed to create a few ourselves. I mean, their goalie pulled off one brilliant save. Clear, uh, one was cleared off the line. We went for it a bit at the end, but they were just very, very professional. At, uh, get, getting fouls just when we were getting on top. So, uh, but no, great performance from the Bees. Really proud of the lads. Uh, we play like that against most teams in this division and we'll get results. 
it was a very, very fine performance by the Brentford team tonight, and all supporters should be really, really proud of having watched our team tonight. Fantastic support, fantastic performance by the Bees, stuck to their plan, and yes, it was 1-0, but fantastic. Gave Man City a really good challenge. Well done, the Bees. Yeah, I think it's a credit to Brentford, how they, you know, they stayed in the game pretty much all the way through. They probably had the best of the first chance of the game. They could have scored early. There were a couple of other chances as well where they could have got the ball in the back of the net. Um, obviously, City are going to dominate with possession. You know, at the end of the first half, City had one shot on target. That was the goal. And um, they, they, they really didn't get the ball into the final third. They played the ball round. They put the ball into the positions. But then it was that killer pass that they just didn't have. And just didn't get any, you know, any more goals than that. You know, a win's a win. It's three points, and um, especially with Chelsea dropping points as well today, um, it was um, a good, good day all round, really. You know what, Man City? They didn't look like they were going to run through us all the time. Yeah, they had a lot of possession, but they didn't have loads of chances. And some of the set pieces they wasted. And you know what? We wasted a few set pieces as well. Could have been different if we'd, you know, some of those free kicks. I thought, oh, bloody hell, get the big guys coming in at the back post. Might have happened. That was a big show, and we did really well, I think, versus a few games recently. Brilliant. Loved. Tell you what, they were outstanding. To a man, they fought for that ball, closing down, running off the ball. You know, we lost today, 1-0, but I don't feel like a loss. You know, you're going to take a lot of heart out of that game. There's there's so many positives, you know. You look at their squad compared to ours and the amount of amount of top quality international players they have. And do you know what? You'd never have guessed it. You look at our squad, it's depleted. We've got players out. We've got players carrying injuries, you can see. But we still we battle through. Obviously, if we'd have took our chances in the first half, again, it's all about taking your chances. That game could have been a lot different. I'm super, super proud of them Brentford lot. You know, you can't ask for more than what they put in. They put everything in. And the crowd today was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. They, they made Man City frustrated. You know, it, it took Grealish and Foden to f- throw themselves on the floor quite a few times. And it's a shame that the referee, you know, didn't, didn't see past that, that kind of gamesmanship. But yeah, in terms of that building point, you know, you've also got to build with the players you've got and they've got to experience games like this where you're not you're, you're not going to get you know the ball the, the opposition are going to have 80% of the possession and you've got to be really disciplined and wait your chances and take your chances when, when they come and unfortunately it was a step too far for us tonight very good goal from Man City um, they played a very good possessive game but I'm very proud of Brentford we did very well against the champion select we, we played brilliantly and we if we continue like that we will win games we'll get another 20 points Another, another season in the Premier League. So there you have it. We've got the Brentford fans. We've got the Man City fans. We've got people celebrating a loss, which uh, some people may say is tin pot. We just say this is how far we've come. The fact that, you know, we are playing Man City. Uh, and before the game, I mean, we, we, we had a bit of another early start, actually, with myself and Laney. We met up with some Man City chums before the game. We started off in Strand of the Green. Different run this time. Start off at the top of the strand of the green and we're sitting down there having a chat with them and uh, we were being quite apologetic because, you know, it's really weird. 
you know, playing Manchester City and Man City knowing them from back in the day when they're in, you know, the second tier and even the third tier and, uh, and us beating them in the FA Cup and stuff like that is completely different to now. But these are fans who've been a, and seen it and done it. They're not the sort of the new breed. They're the, the older breed of fans. So they're always like apologetic, you know, when they're coming down to Brentford sort of saying, look, you know, it's not going to be that high. You know, you're not going to beat us by, you know, we're not going to beat you by that much. You know, just have a real listen pill. We're not, we're not that good. It's kind of what they say. We're good, but we're not that good. And we're thinking, you know, you're just trying to be polite to us but you know but um but in the end you know there was talk of sort of seven nils and five nils and three nils i mean i think one person said as long as we don't do a leads right and let in seven i'll be happy with that so they'll be happy letting in six or even five like you know so that's kind of where the barometer was set so in a way it was quite nice when we went into the ground because um well, because we, we the expectations were so low from Brentford because we had such a sort of makeshift team and sort of reserve players and all sorts of stuff going on, like you know, that we just we didn't expect anything less than than, than to get a good spanking, did we, Laney? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we said about listening back to the game, and I, I watched the I watched the Amazon match again uh, in, in chunks yesterday, and uh, the commentator said, well, you know, when we when we were doing the olays around the stadium. He said, "There's a there's a modest self awareness about um, about Brentford and Brentford fans," and I think that kind of encapsulates what, where we're at at the moment. You know, and anyone that's kind of saying, "Oh, you know, you, you're mugs for kind of celebrating or, or or taking positives out of a defeat," then you know, I think they're well wide of the mark. You know, unless you know. Unless you kind of a realist, um, you know, we're we're not in the same league. We are, but we're not um, in the same league as Manchester City. They've got they've got all the all the wealth in the world, and we we've got to try and compete with that. And I don't think it was wrong to to you know expect um, a heavy defeat. We we we're more we we are aware of what they're capable of, and we've seen them do that um, a lot. You know, they've just beaten Leicester. They put six past Leicester. The previous game, they they just they obliterated Leeds. It could have been loads more than that, um, and we had a weakened team. And that's that's not to slag our own players off. We're just like on on a, and and on a different day, Man City would have done that to us. You know, we were well, we 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 did set up well, and we didn't really attack. And but other teams do that as well. Uh, we just had uh, a lot of things going for us. I think we did that after ten between ten and fifteen minutes. We put them on the back foot and we ask a few questions of them. If we don't have that period of the game, I think they just come at us and wave after wave. It, it, it would have just been overwhelming. And I think you know, putting 90 minutes of that quality pressure on you, you you're gonna you're gonna leak. You are gonna leak three, four, five goals because they've got that quality. Um, they had two goals disallowed rightly um, for offside. Um, on another day, their their the margins go go against you. So, you know, I, I I think I think we 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 dodged a bullet there. And I think um, uh, on another day they they would have they would have annihilated us. But credit where credit's due, the players put in an incredible shift as well, um, and they they stuck to it um, and they didn't lose heart or belief. And I thought the crowd were exceptional as well. So all in all. Um, a great night, and it isn't it isn't Mickey Mouse to kind of um, be proud of a one 0 defeat. Not against them, it isn't. Yeah, it's interesting when you say that, lady. I mean, there's a few things there. First up, Pep in his in his uh, in his uh, post match um, press conference, he actually talked about Brentford, and he was talked about kind of how they dealt with us, and he was a bit annoyed about it because he said, "Look, we knew, we know what they're like." 
We know how much problems they scored. You know, they caused Arsenal. He talked about that. You know, and he said, we, we know, I'm pretty sure he said, we know that they're the best in this division when it comes to sort of set pieces. You know, putting the ball in the air and set pieces. He goes, they're the best in this division. He said, so we need to be aware about that. And I think that he was a bit concerned that um, in the first half in particular, they didn't deal with it in the way that he expected them to deal with it. And they could have actually gone behind in the first half. Or is it gone behind or was it, or maybe it should have been a, or, or we could have got an equaliser. But we could have scored a goal in the first half. And I think yeah, no, it was when before, the ball came it across. Before they, it was before they scored, we had three chances. It was before they scored, that's right. We had a couple of chances as well. Um, ball came across in the air, you know, Tony went for it, kind of missed it. And the ball kind of bounced and, it, and they had to head off the line. But they were all over the place at that time. And at that time, we actually kind of really felt it coming. And they ended up hitting us on the break after that when they scored their goal. But it's quite interesting when he played us that compliment because I just thought, tell you something, that's actually quite good. He's he's obviously looked at the, you know the Liverpool game, he's looked at all the games, he's looked at the Arsenal game. He, he knows how we play and he knows that we can also cause some problems. Also, the other thing is interestingly, I mean, we've given him a rest again today. Our good old buddy, you know, Will the Spreadsheet Winker again. He's on, he's over in Lapland as well with uh, with Santa Claus. Like you know, he's counting all sorts of presents and like you know, he's got the old hat on with the lame reindeer. So he, he'll be back after the Christmas break of the new year, giving us his stats. But looking at the stats for that game the xg you know uh we were up 0.28 because man city were actually 1.09 so we kept them down to 1.09 right which is which is pretty amazing but not only on top of that is uh their chance which is the goal from Foden, which is a great goal well taken goal which was a biggest but 0.6 so on top of that the 0.6 so you if you take that away all the rest of the chances that City had were about 0.4, you know. So uh, we're talking about sort of lots and lots of kind of chances, a few in the box, but a lot from outside the box, a lot of them from about 30, 35 yards, which is very Man City, which were probably about 8%, 5% chance of going in. So what's happened is that we restricted them. I mean, they've got great players and they can score from anywhere. We know that, but we restricted them to chances, a lot of them from quite far but also not very high quality chances we got to kind of pat ourselves on the back for that and especially the defense you know all the defense you know Dominic Thompson we talked about him you know he got man of the match but you know he played a blinder you know when we talk about defensively you know Mad Sorensen he played a blinder defensively you know Pontus Janssen again he played a blinder um, defensively as well you know and Ethan Pinnock you know so listen we, we can't knock that but on the flip side of it what I will say I know you might say well we didn't create very many chances but what I did notice the flaw in this kind of statistical thing here there was two chances that we had which are very good chances there was I think it was it was like a back header from the Man City player which was very well saved by was Edison by the goalkeeper as well and he put that around the post which was a brilliant save like that and that was like a chance but that doesn't get chalked up as a chance, you know, on the, on the stats as well. And also that chance that when it came across the goal, like I said to you, and um, Tony went for the header, he didn't quite get it, but then after the ball bounced, and literally, if, if the player didn't clear it, um, Shandon Baptiste was in there, literally, to put it in the back of the net, and it was just a, a split second away from doing that. Now, that for me was a massive chance, and they defensively did really wicked, but that doesn't get clocked up either. So what I think I'm trying to say here is that there's also opportunities that we have, which are really massive opportunities that don't get reflected in this type of stats. And probably because smart odds do their different type of stat stuff, they probably reflect things in a different way and probably say, actually, this game was a bit closer than you know the general public might have thought or the, the TV pundits might have thought because we were actually looking at it in a different way. I mean, those, those are huge chances, weren't they, Laney? Yeah, there needs to be a, a danger chart, I think, because that's we, we put them under massive pressure there, um, and they look like they they could have cracked. Um, you know what happens after that? God only knows, but um, it, it 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 we did put them under 
on the, on the back foot and we asked massive questions of them um, and it got the crowd up um, which was really important as, as I said you know if we do 90 minutes of kind of just soaking it up uh, it, 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 it becomes a real chore it's a hard watch um, but you know it, it gave us hope and it, it gave them something to think about and, and I think it reminded them that if, unless they concentrate uh, and they get it right and they put in the effort and the challenges and, and they, you know, they, they went in hard on us as well um, it, it, it could have it ended up differently for Man City as well so uh, yeah you're right they may not count on the XG chart but we, there was real jeopardy there for, for, for Man City on a couple of occasions and Man City had a lot of the ball 66% possession that's what you would expect for a team like that um, according to InfoGoal though they only had three shots on target to our two as well five shots off target to our two as well and there was four blocks so again it kind of shows you how we've you know defensively we've really restricted them and really frustrated them and, and I'd say also you know there's some teams who come and he talked about how difficult it is to kind of def- you know for them to attack when our players in such a small space and the fact that Ivan Tony is playing as more sort of a kind of defensive midfielder almost as opposed to an attacker but that's the kind of way that we play but also at the same time you know we've seen when we play at other teams when they do similar against us but we literally are struggling like you know when we play you're not in the forest and we play maybe your Birmingham cities and teams like that where we really struggled I didn't think that we were necessarily playing um, 100% defensive because we were still always looking for the attack we were always looking to run the ball out if we could do always play the ball out onto the wings so you know it's almost like we had this kind of slightly attacking hit them on the break type thing going on we gave the ball away a huge amount um, as well and there's a couple of kicks from Fernandes that uh, you know they just they just literally gave possession back to Man City which I, I thought that was that was odd. You know, we were kicking towards Ivan Tony, who was actually in an offside position. He must have seen that. There's twice he did that. And something else I, I thought was was you know it's, 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 again strange kind of decision making. Second half, we we kicked off and we passed it straight back to to the goalie, who then just kicked it long and gave them possession. I, I, why why do we do that? I mean, I just thought the last thing you want to do is give. You've got possession, <laughs> you know. You, you're giving it to, to Man City to let them mount their first wave of attacks. Um, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have a, if you're gonna do anything, if, you, if you're gonna kick it and give them possession, you might as well kick it at the goal from kickoff. Do a do a Paul Evans. Why, why not do that if, if, if you're gonna if you if you're literally gonna try and kick it long um, and and go the percentage route. Just, just kick it at their goal from from the, from the from the kickoff. But I, I, is, there's a there's a couple of times where we look, we did look we did look naive. But overall, you you can't really fault them. I mean, I'm, it's being pernickety, I think. Yeah, and and just going back to the game, looking at the sort of summary, you know, looking at us, what we our strengths were. We stole the ball from Man City uh, a lot. Which is, uh, which is very good. You know, our weaknesses, uh, we were poor at finishing, and we know that's just very Brentford. We lost possession often, as we talked about there as well, and we uh, gave a lot of free kicks around the box, which was actually really frustrating, saying that the referee didn't help, and also the fact is that they also knew how to, uh, they knew to pull them free kicks, didn't they, Laney? Yeah. I mean, they literally yeah. knew how to go down every time, and do you think that was sort of naive from us, or do you think that was sort of just like their expertise and they're more professional? Their, their expertise and their 
they're more professional yeah i mean you know we call it shit housing we call it cheating you call it diving call it what you want it's all it is all of those things but they're they're the best players in the world and you know they they know how to to take pressure off of themselves they don't have to necessarily run into a cul-de-sac if if they they allow their their control is so good most of the time that they can draw a foul that you know Grealish is Grealish is exceptional at it um, you know, he didn't have a great game by his standards, and he's not had a great season by his standards. But you, you can't knock the fact that he's he's one of the best players that we've seen. Um, he's he's just he's just on a different level as are most of them. Um, not necessarily on that day, but you you know you you they're they're not eight points clear at the top of the league. You know, in a very very high quality league without being stunning players, and they were. Um, and as, as I said, um, I, I think we I think we dodged a bit of a bullet um, by the way we played, and by the fact that uh, things just weren't necessarily all going their way. A hundred percent. As for Manchester City, you know they stole the ball from us a lot. They created uh, opportunities from long shots, as we know, because that's what they do, and also opportunities from the flanks as well. So they went down the flanks a lot, but they were caught offside a lot, like, you know. So I mean, listen, that's just giving a little bit of a, a summary of kind of what that match was. Just, just, just final thoughts as well, Lane, because obviously we just talked about the, the atmosphere. In, in the game and trying to keep it positive you know there was a there was I mean, to be fair there was a few unsavory chance in there again which you know keep cropping up every now and again um interestingly because obviously you know, say big respect to Ali Malali uh, from the besotted podcast who has now been named as the her game two ambassador as well so she'll be representing Brentford in the her game two campaign as well so like I said big respect to Ali out there as well and Ali you know not only Ali has been talking about other people been talking about it that she felt very uncomfortable as well with the Brentford fans sort of singing the you know, the, the rape song with Mendy, who's obviously been charged with rape. And then, you know, the fans singing that from the terraces as well made her feel uncomfortable. I felt very uncomfortable with my daughter there as well, with her friends as well. You know, so like I said to you, you know, some of these 70s chants, which were fine in the 70s, I think we kind of need to sort of readdress exactly kind of where they sit in kind of nowadays football terms, because that was all a little bit like, hold on a second, should we be sorting our team rather than kind of sort of singing rape songs to a player who's not even on the pitch? Yeah, no, I, 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 I question why we just don't use that crowd to, to get behind our team. I don't think it, I don't think it, it, it helps Brentford's players. You know, you don't want to get rid of humour, but that's not that's not funny. Um, and uh, it, it, I, I just think the the crowd was so up for, for singing pro Brentford songs. I think you know more more of that really, as far as I'm concerned. That's right. But overall, I mean, when you talk about this quickly, the, the atmosphere, Laney, you, uh, you're very, very, I mean, it, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Good to see Good to see the crowd, you know, go over 17,000, which, you know, Jonathan Birchall is going to talk about in a bit. Um, and um, I, I thought it was exceptional, you know, the, 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 the light display at the beginning. Uh, again, love it. It's, it's not Mickey Mouse. It's not, it's not plastic clappers it's not man with drum it's it's great um the streets that that tune coming out is you know it's one of my favorite albums original pirate material um so it's something that you know hits hairs on arms and it works so well then hey jude the remix bit at the end as well it's just it all makes for a really really cracking atmosphere everyone was up for it everyone had had a couple of beers i think um it was just a little bit later as an old 8 15 kickoff but yeah it it works um and just again more of it just just get behind you can't tire of seeing brentford 
push the envelope of what we've been used to and hearing that stadium fall is, is brilliant mate no, and, 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 and like I say final call as well I've got to do a shout because it's quite funny we were down at Strand on the green and we got a, a very very late call for one of our chums is there whose whole family went down with Covid and they basically had three tickets who literally just couldn't you know couldn't get rid of at all because it was a very very last minute thing I think it was about 4 four four thirty in the afternoon we were sitting there having a few beers and he said to us look I've got these three tickets Bill like you know if anybody and literally this American went past us and he's just congratulated us as being bees hey hey guys you know congratulations and you know have a, have a great game and we just sort of said you know you get the game mate he said no he said do you want to go to the game he's going yeah sure you know he goes I'm with my mum though you know can my mum come too so in the end we had this guy and his mum in the middle of our lot in, in the west end like you know and he was absolutely loving it so I think we've got another converted American bee in the midst of us as well like you know so like I said to the last minute something's happened to people like I said to you if, you, if you're on the playing pitch you get the ball as they say and he was he was uh, in the playing. He was on the playing pitch, literally going down to to queue for a, a swift half with his mum, you know, as he's over for America, and he's ended up like in the middle of the West End singing "Hey Jude." Uh, that's uh, that's Ooh. how you win over new fans, isn't it, Laney? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. That was good. That's good. Well done. Anyway, listen, we're going to move on because we're going to talk about 2021 just briefly because people are reveling in their favourite moments of 2021. So 2021, what a year. And uh, we talked about this. If you want to check it out, prideofwest.london, the feastive, festive, as we call it, well, end of year podcast actually is. It's our end of year podcast where we talked about various things, our player of the year, the goal of the year, and our favourite moment of the year. And I know Lainey put a little tweet up this morning just asking people, listen, it's New Year's. It's New Year's now. What was your favourite moment of 2021? And there's lots of people actually gave their replies, very much like the Feastive Festive podcast, which you should definitely check out. It's not time dependent. Just check it out right now when you get a chance. But Lainey, I mean, just just go for a few of these uh, really, really sort of heartwarming moments, weren't they? Yeah, in no particular order. We go through. I mean, it's been some. It's been like over over 40 replies, so I can't read them all out. But these are in no particular order. Luis Adriano. Um, call me a saddo, especially with a whole box of stickers turning up today. But seeing us, Brentford, in the official Panini album with one of our players on the front cover is right up there with the Bournemouth in the playoffs. So yeah, he's a bit sad. There's <laughs> um, no, no, uh, no coincidence that the Bournemouth um, playoff second leg... Um, when, with the with the sort of uh, the stadium back open to supporters, that's that's up there. Um, Andy Messam, he says the playoff semi at home when Bournemouth scored, I thought it was all over. Um, and the final, of course, I just stood there with my mouth open at the end of that. Um, Chris Boyle, so hard to choose, um, but going through um, August the thirteenth. Uh, walking up the stairs in our, into our new home, the atmosphere was out of this world for 90 minutes uh, so that's the Arsenal Arsenal game the Arsenal 2-0 win I mean there's quite a few I mean there's quite a few Bournemouth like I said to you you know because that yep. game that playoff game that semi-final was you know the first game back in the stadium really for a lot of people the atmosphere people like Hilly Boy you know you know, never had enough never had seen Earth so quietly after they went 2-0 up as well and also the BFC Bees blog as well you know is very happy with that the fourth goal against Bournemouth you know 4,000 people how they made that much noise who never know like you know there's a feeling in the air that day that summed up the club positivity determination and success and uh yeah you know like i said and even total mexico the bournemouth's playoff second leg 
after a year of watching on helplessly at home, what a difference we can make as fans is what he said. So like I said to you, that Bournemouth game was to, for me, it was it was on another level. And we talked about that, like I said to you, on the on the on the on the, the festive feastive podcast, which you should check out. And being back in the stadiums as well. I mean, t- Tim the Tiny Horse has said here, hugging and being hugged by ecstatic total strangers on an afternoon at the end of May at Wembley, not really knowing how to cope with the emotions of the success, seemed to be common. Most of us just looked dazed, and I think you know, hundred percent. Obviously, the the Wembley, um, you know. Uh, Denim John, another one. Um, it just has to be the final whistle against Swansea at Wembley. That moment, more than any other, changed the club forever in a bet in a good way. I hope. Um, Jason B's TWA said the same as well. Has to be euphoria at Wembley. Absolute dreamland when Malcondes' second went in. Words can't explain the joy. And also 81 Bees fan, the second goal going at Wembley. It's interesting, the second goal, typical Brentford, isn't it? Like, you know what I'm saying? That second goal went in late, you know, but, you know, it wasn't even that late, but, you know, we still thought, oh, no, God, are we going to win this match? Like, you know, and, uh, and we were so comfortable in that game. Talking about typical Brentford, Billy Reeves, um, BBC's Billy Reeves, um, the playoff final, 2-0 up versus 10 men, 89th minute, and only then some half-heartedly started to sing, we are going up, and the chap turns round to me, arms splayed and yells, it's still too early. So, yeah, 2-0 <laughs> up in the 89th minute, playing against 10 men, and the 89th minute is too early to start saying, we are going up. So, yeah. We all shared in that. 100%. Stephen, the United line as well, talked about the whole of the match day of the Arsenal game with the hype of our first game in the Premier League. So he was loving that as well. Like, you know, and then Tiver said Diver as well, is that she says it's very, very close, but Sergi's goal against Arsenal, it made me believe as well. There's quite a few people, like I said, you're feeling, you know, TWB as well, Sergi's goal against Arsenal, the moment the ball hit the back of the net, followed by eruption in the stadium we'd arrived, you know. He wished he could bottle up that moment. Incredible, like, you know. So the Arsenal game has really kind of hit, you know, as well. Ant years said the same thing. Arsenal all day long at atmosphere result everything about it standing side by side my daughter was special just wish my dad could have been here to see it a couple a couple of others here that sort of sum up the the raw emotion of it he says uh this is bedford b69 i'm 52 and don't mind admitting i was crying my eyes out um this is at the final whistle on the 29th of may to know we'd made it to the prem and nothing was going to stop it this time and then Lynn um, Lynn 33478521 has got a great handle there Lynn um, I cried on the train <laughs> back home it suddenly sunk in that we were the Premier we were in the Premier League just wish my dad could have seen it so yeah it was, it was all those kind of thought, thoughtful moments that we, we'd achieved it but there were so many bees that have gone before us that couldn't have shared in that but you know I'm sure they're looking down on us enjoying every second of it that's right indeed so listen let's look forward now because we've got a game our first game of 2022 when Aston Villa come to New Griffin Park we're going to take a little break we're going to come back and we're going to talk Villa Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. The Manchester City game finally saw the first crowd in excess of 17,000 at the new stadium. Griffin Park last saw a crowd of over 17,000 for a league game four months short of 50 years ago, when 18,500 saw a fourth-tier match against Chester. It also took out 2021 average home league gate to 7,204, a 
figure higher than in every calendar year from 1993 to 2014. The 2021 figure is more remarkable in that 12 of the 21 games were played behind closed doors. Of the 45 league and playoff games we played in 2021, only three teams outscored us in both halves. Barnsley and Coventry last season, and Burnley in this. Manchester City chose not to use any of their nominated substitutes against us. It's something our managers and head coaches don't do very often in league games. In fact, the last was Andy Scott when he stuck with the same 11 players in the 0-0 League One game away at Bristol Rovers in September 2010. Richard Lee, Marcus Bean, David McCracken, Ryan Blake, Nicky Forster, Sam Wood and Sam Saunders keeping the bench warm that afternoon. So there you have it, the first bits of fact and funk for 2022 from JB. And uh, I'm wondering whether or not our stadium is going to be nearly as full as what JB was talking about because he was talking about the fullness of New Griffin Park the first time we've gone over 17,000 actually 17,250 is our absolute capacity and we just went over that with Man City game which I think is quite amazing actually because there were so many people that were pulling out from that Man City game due to coronavirus due to isolating you know so I thought the numbers would be right down but it was right up there but will the Villa game which I know is very very popular because I've got lots of Villa chums who have been chatting to us so they're trying to come down and they can't get older tickets and they want to get older tickets and you know they're just they're coming down anyway like you know so I think it's going to be quite lively for the Villa game like you know but um yeah yeah but JB first bit of fact and fun you you happy with those facts Laney? I am but I thought I thought you said about first 17,000 crowd Brentford have played in um since crew in 1971 I, I thought Liverpool at home in the in the league cup but I, I'm not gonna you know, he, he's, he, he, knows his, he knows his onions, does JB, so I'm, I'm just putting it out there. He may be meant he in the did, league. He did. Yeah. What I think he did say as well, and I thought, I mean, that's quite amazing, that crowd that he talked about, but mm. he did say league crowd. Right, is what okay. I thought he Fair said. Enough. Yeah, so Fair he enough. Was, yeah, yeah, he was actually yeah. kind of nice one. on the yeah. nose there. But yeah, I, I thank, thank you, JB, for all you've done this year. Appreciate your input. Lovely. Yeah, Vicky, thank you. And thank you for all the people, all the besotted crew who have input as well. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's loads of them. And, you know, too many to shout out, but you know exactly who you are. Half of you, or quite a few of you, who are down the pub with doing the festive, feastive, fun thing just before Christmas as well. Like, you know, say, so check that out, London. But you know all you are. Like I said to you, all your input has been very much appreciated. Also, as I'm at it as well, just check out, as we're talking about Aston Villa, because we're going to talk about Villa in a minute, Ian Westbrook does a pre-match preview every match and check out his uh, pre-match preview for Villa as well as well because he's going to have a local BBC Villa um, perspective on that as well and we also throw in the podcast on there as well and also there's a pub guide for your Villa fans who are coming down there are pubs that open earlier than 12 o'clock trust me so if you check the pub guide you can check that out anyway but listen we're going to go over to Dan from Heart of the Holt he's going to give us the lowdown on Villa Uh, Dan Morgan from Heart of the Holt and the Villa Villa podcast and uh, yeah we cover all things Aston Villa over on the Heart of the Holt YouTube channel myself and Dan Wiseman uh, on the Villa Villa podcast we discuss transfers in our transfer rumour mill podcasts game reactions whatever's happening Aston Villa we're the place for you guys to, to visit so we'd appreciate it if you Brentford fans came over and checked out Heart of the Holt I'm sure you guys won't disappointed uh, as ever there's always a lot of talk about Brentford uh, given the fact we've signed so many Brentford players over the years and the uh, you know the, the, the two games a season that we will play against you guys so 
while it looks like you're going to stay in the Premier League, you may as well check out the channel and subscribe. We'd uh, we'd really appreciate that. So yeah, I mean the season so far, it's it's been it's been tumultuous. I think is probably the word. You know, Villa kind of at the moment are, are languishing in 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 sort of mid table. But since Steven Gerrard's come in, which is something of course that we'll get onto a bit later, uh, things have been absolutely fantastic. You know, he's only lost three games to the top three sides in the Premier League and we've looked really convincing in, in the four wins that he's managed so far and it's just so it's just a change of culture almost that I think is was was almost needed at, for, for Villa I think things were getting a bit stale um, but since Gerrard's come in he's he's really managed to acclimatise to the Premier League really well which is something that if I'm being honest, I wasn't actually that worried about. I think there were some some doubts sort of cast because he's only managing in Scotland and that's no disrespect to, to Rangers or the, or the Scottish Premier League. But I think there were some fair questions that were being asked, but he's taken to the Premier League like a duck to water um, and has, has seemingly levelled up where Dean Smith was unable to after some, some years in the Premier League, I think. It's unfortunate for Dean. Um, he obviously a boyhood fan of the club, ex-Brentford manager as well. I know you guys would have some good memories with him. Uh, but I think ultimately Dean Smith's downfall was he could never really figure things out without Jack Grealish. And when it, uh, I think he lost like 18 games over 2021 as a calendar year. Uh, and, and that is, is unacceptable for any team really. So it, it didn't come as too much of a surprise when he got dismissed. But now since Gerrard's come in, it's been... Absolutely fantastic, um, yeah. Um, I think the big thing to, to 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 look out for for Villa is is certainly going to be how how compact they are. I think under Steven Gerrard, the big noticeable difference for me is I think towards the end of Dean Smith's time, I don't think players were buying into the system, the philosophy, and they didn't really know what the roles were or where they should be or what they should be doing. But since Steven Gerrard's come in, that has been completely turned upside down. And we've got a fairly effective midfield now, which I think was has been the thing that let Villa down uh, before Dean Smith's departure. I think the midfield has been non-existent. There's issues that weren't really addressed in the summer, but that's a completely different story in terms of recruitment. But since Steven Gerrard's come in, he's got the best out of them. And I know Brentford are a hard-working team. Um, but they're going to have to work hard to kind of match the likes of John McGinn, who's going to be back. Uh, at Douglas Louise has been a fantastic midfielder. We've got Morgan Sanson, who's finally managing to embed in the side. And of course, the young Jacob Ramsey, who's just been absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, it, it really is his season. It's his breakout season. Uh, I would say, you know, we're starting to see the things that we were kind of expecting from the lad from the academy. So he's one that we should we should certainly look out for in this game. I think he's... Um, against Chelsea, progressed the ball 14 times. Now, against a side like Chelsea, uh, it's, it's a fantastic stat. So, it was someone who really can look to drive Villa forward. And, you know, we've seen that again against Norwich. It was a fantastic goal that he scored going on a solo run. He's just a, he's a fantastic midfielder. He's proven that at only 19 years old, he's capable of pitting himself against some of the great Premier League midfielders. And he's certainly someone to watch out for for Brentford. Now, this is going to be somewhat of a controversial opinion because Matty Cash has been absolutely fantastic. He's been a breath of fresh air at right back. Uh, he's the swashbuckling player that I think we've wanted there for, for, for God knows how long now. But the man can't cross. And I think, you know, there will be a few occasions where Matty Cash will be at the byline or he'll look to, to whip across in from deep. And 
you know, Brentford probably shouldn't have, have too much to worry about there. Um, I hate to say it, the final delivery from Kashi is something that significantly needs improving. Um, I think, it, especially considering he was a winger in the Championship, I know you guys will have faced off against Matty Cash before for Nottingham Forest, but I think it's that lack of end product from him that I think is is a shame because he's up there as one of the best in terms of blocks, interceptions, tackles made, uh, distance covered. He just has to improve that final ball because more often than not, he is an attacking outlet for Aston Villa that has been somewhat disappointing, I would say, this season. Now, the the, the game earlier, earlier on in the season, I think, was, was an interesting one because... If I'm being honest, it's a game that Villa should have won with ease. And I, I, I get again, it's an, one of the many things that mounted against Dean Smith there, that performance. It was a wonderful goal from Emi Buendia. Um, but, you know, when you've got someone like Ivan Tony who can punish you, um, it, it, you've, got to, you've got to be wary of that. And I know you guys have struggled a little bit without him uh, so, so far this season. But, you know, having him back will be absolutely massive. Uh, I think his agent was a Blues fan as well, which is why he did the Zulu sign to the whole end. So he'll want to score again for his for his agent. And uh, he's certainly one that I think Villa fans will uh, will have the backs up for. I think he's a, he's a, a fantastic player, but, uh, you know, he's one who likes to rile the opposition. So um, hopefully we don't have much of that in the next game. Um, but no, I think, to be honest, I think the thing with Brentford, and I think... It, a lot of people who haven't watched Brentford now, you guys have been a thorn in our side in the Championship. So, you know, since then, I've been keeping a close eye on Brentford. The thing people don't realise about Brentford is whilst they can and are capable of playing absolutely fantastic football, um, they have, you know, you guys are the masters of the dark arts. You guys, are there, are, there are some little kicks, there are some little pushes. And, you know, against the bigger sides, I kind of rate that. I never like it when it's against us, of course. But um, as, as, as them, as... as I, th I think, you know, when, when you look at ruthless teams like Manchester City, they're another example of it. They are they are masters of the dark arts themselves, tactical fouls, bringing players down, little niggles here and there and, and really just irritating the opponent. That's what I think is an underrated quality, I want to say, about Brentford, because not many teams are capable of doing that um, and getting away with it as well. Um, and, and that's not to, to disrespect Brentford on how they play, because I think there has been a, a, a stylistic change since you guys have come up to the Premier League, but you've adapted well. And I think that is quite an underrated facet of it because of how competitive and physical the Premier League is. Um, you know, I mean, again, I mean that in no disrespect. I, th I think you guys have identified something and it's something that kind of makes you strong as a team, which is something that I've certainly noticed since Brentford have come up. Um but no, as well, Brian and Boyu, he's he's someone who who really worries me. I know on his day he's absolutely fantastic, and I think is often the, the the most underrated player out of any of Brentford's front three since he's kind of been at the club. Um, you know, we've seen Boyu, Watkins, and 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 Morpai and and all kinds of players that you know there's been so many different combinations. The the BMW uh, with Ben Rama as well. And, and and boy, he's he's been a player that has really really caught my eye every single time. And you know, a few goals in the Premier League as well. Uh, he he's certainly a tidy little player, and I think he he's been fantastic for you guys. Um, if I'm being honest, I expect nothing less than a win. I think Villa have been extremely disciplined since Steven Gerrard's come in, and I also think that you know against a side like Brentford, I think. Villa will actually be sort of happy to let Brentford have the ball and Villa will pick their moments in this game 
think it's going to very much pan out like it did for Villa against Brighton, whereby we let Brighton have a lot of the ball on the wings, looking to put that ball into the box. Uh, of course, you, you guys possess a threat in Tony that, that Brighton didn't on that night, but I think Villa will be happy out of possession and sort of picking their moments on the counter-attack with it being an away game. It's going to be extremely competitive. It's going to be extremely close margins. Uh, and as for a score prediction, I think I'm going to go... I'm going to go 1-1. I think it's going to be a tough game. Uh, I don't see Villa losing it, but I know Brentford, again, are more than capable of dealing Villa some damage, as they have done over the past five years. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go 1-1. I'm going to go Ollie Watkins, and I'm going to go um, I'm going to go Ivan Tony as well. I think that's, that's the one. And just something on Ollie Watkins, of course, he's returning to Brentford, and it's, it's going to be an interesting game for him because I think... There's been a bit of a debate and a discussion with Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings. Obviously, you know, we kind of signed Danny Ings and it, it's been a, it's been quite the debate between Villa fans because Danny Ings is undoubtedly one of the greatest strikers in Europe and has been consistently and especially in the Premier League, you know, outperforming his XG for years now. And he's, he's, he's a phenomenal striker. So you almost can't question why we signed him. But it, it, Villa have struggled to pair the two in a system and get the maximum effort and output out of both of them, um, I think is is fair to say. And whilst Danny Ings is quite clearly the superior striker, uh, you know, the, the former B. Ali Watkins has to be the man who starts up front for me. I think that you can't argue with form and you can't argue with goals. And they're two things that Ollie Watkins has delivered on so far this season. It's a shame because I think if Danny Ings had more time to start, I think he would undoubtedly get more goals. I think he is a more complete striker and certainly a much better finisher. But with that being said, we all know the potential of Ollie Watkins. He has the potential to be one of the greater forwards of England going you know, towards the World Cup and with, with Euros and, and other competitions coming up. I think it would be stupid to, to kind of rule him out and, and, and sort of disrespect him in that way. Ollie Watkins is more than capable of leading the line by himself. I think if, my only complaint is is just is the finishing improving slightly because I think he could have eight chances a game and only score one on occasion. Um, so if I'm being super critical, I think there are levels that Ollie Watkins is currently trying to progress in. Um, but no, he's a fantastic striker. I love the kid so much. And out of the two at the moment, he has to be the one who leads the line. So there you go, Dan from Heart of the Holt, and he's giving us his lowdown on Aston Villa, who we played early in the season. And uh, it seems sort of quite a long time away, but still, um, still got sort of quite fond memories of that part of the season. You know, the days were light, you know, the away days were coming. It was our first away day, actually, and it was kind of one of those sort of, quite, you know, quite exciting. It was one that we knew, you know, Aston Villa. You know, it was not like Liverpool or, you know, Manchester City. It's something that we'd done before, you know, so we knew exactly where we're going to go to, you know, how we're going to get up there, what pub we're going to go to. But still, it seemed fresh and it was exciting and to have 3,000 bees in the house was good and we were noisy. The, the Villa Stadium was full, 42,000 people. We managed to keep them quiet for a lot of the game, you know, because we went one goal ahead and it was a good day out. Now, I'm wondering, Laney... Um, Things have changed a little bit since we played Villa, haven't they? Yeah, we, we have. We we do seem to have come on a long way um, since then. Um, 
it's it's been an education for all of us hasn't it yeah you you're right you know the 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 the, the heady days of the early season it was a second away game we've been to palace the week before or two weeks before that but it was the first long distance or longer distance one um and we were unbeaten and everything was everything was iry and uh, um it was it was like it, it felt like you know we oh blimey this this premier league like this is so this is not as bad as we thought um you know we've had a we've had a couple of uh you know i wouldn't say crashes since then but we've had a couple of prangs since then and uh but it's all part of the learning curve and it's, it's interesting to see how the second wave of the fixtures go you know brighton were the first to do the double they um they won't be the last team to do that but um it, it, lots happened at villa new manager um they've they've had a bit of an uptick not a great uptick in in form um, you know, we saw obviously Dean, Dean Smith get get sacked um, or move on. He's at Norwich now, um, but it, it's it's a it's a it's a good test. Uh, they're a good team. They're very similar to us, um, and our record against Villa is is pretty pretty good. So uh, it's a team that we can set ourselves up and know that we don't have to not have to box too clever. We we can get the ball down and play. They'll allow us to do that. Um, and they'll come at us as well. They've got some great players um, still, um, but they're very much they're very much not the same about Jack Grealish. So uh, yeah, I, I, I can't I can't wait for this one on the second of uh, January, Bill. You know, looking at where their their strengths are, they're, they're, they're great attacking down the wings. Their weaknesses uh, protecting the lead, a very weak defending long shots, and also very weak defending counter attacks. They attack down the left. They attempt crosses often. They attempt through balls often as well, and they're Opponents normally play aggressively against them. I mean, you know, I mean, Dan talks a lot about Ollie Watkins, who's a player who is uh, very much in the Bees fans' heart. Listen, we know he's moved on, but also we do the manners and we do the respect. And also, Ollie does respect for us as well. What I thought was really good, like I said to you, 3,000 Brentford fans, you know, applauded Ollie Watkins when he came on as a substitute because he was injured before that match. And it was his, like, his return to Aston Villa, wasn't it? And then he came on, he played, what, 10, 15 minutes or so. We were desperately keeping our fingers crossed that he wouldn't score against us, which he, she didn't, like, you know. And uh, and and then he's gone on ever since. He's, he seems to have been, and again, I've got it wrong, a little bit quieter than he was last season. Again, Dan talks about him and Ings and how there's been a bit of a kind of like, you know, is it Watkins, is it Ings? Can they play together type thing going on? That's something for them to sort out. But for us, we've got more of an issue that we just need to make sure that Ollie Watkins doesn't put the ball in the back of the net or set up a goal is what he is uh, very good at doing in it Laney yeah um, I guess we're kind of fortunate in so much as the players that will be marking him are kind of aware um, of, of how, how he plays and, and our coaching staff uh, know him intimately so they, they, they'll they be well prepped they won't have to watch quite so much video but you're right the uh, the Danny Ings arrival was not, not put all his nose out of joint I, I wouldn't say but He's he's not the main striker as such, so he's 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 not he's not probably getting quite as many chances. But as we saw in the first game, he may have only been on for ten minutes, but a, a couple of opportunities did come his way. And, and, and at one stage, I thought he was going to score. Um, so I, I don't want to see that. I saw more play score against us the other night. I don't want to be see Watkins doing that um, on Sunday. So uh, them coming down to New Griffin Park against a side who are going to be uh, probably coming back from uh, injury and coronavirus. I mean, what are you expecting from this one, Laney? Because, again, it's one of these ones where, I mean, a few of the last podcasts, we've been sitting down there trying to guess who is going to play. 
off the back of this Man City game, I mean, obviously we know that Norgard's going to be back, which is a very important player for us. We're probably going to keep our fingers crossed that Yanelt's going to be back as well. Um, obviously, uh, we've heard that Rico Henry is not going to be back, and I don't think that also uh, Mbumo <coughs> is going to be back. So <coughs> we're still going to be, you know, hardly balanced between having our, you know, uh, squad players coming in to try and keep this game alive for us, isn't it? Yeah, I'm expecting something very tight, you know, even if you just go on, you know, goal difference, which doesn't tell the whole picture, but it kind of shows, um, especially as they're in the bottom, you know, the bottom half of the table with us. We're both on minus four. Um, Villa, they either they either seem to win or they lose. They've only drawn one game. Um, you know, they've, they've won seven, but lost ten. Um so yeah, win or lose for them, um, and they're very, and obviously very they by the, by that they're quite close matches as well. So if we can edge edge another edge a close game, I'll, I'll be delighted with that. Um, as I said, our record against them is pretty good um, because we're so similar. I think, um, and I, th- I think our our tempo and our, our pottiness for it, we want to start off 2022 at home in the best way. So I, I, I'm expecting us to to edge a very close match yeah that's right and just sorry looking at the facts because like I said they've only been just uh, thrown in front of me here so and it's very difficult to try and analyse all this information and at one time with Aston Villa they're, they're basically just slightly overachieving compared to what they're creating when you're looking at the expected goals you know as it is so they're just slightly overachieving so they're scoring slightly more than technically they should be which is great for them because it means that they basically know to put the ball in the back of the net and we're actually slightly underachieving where we should be actually when it comes to actually goals you know and we're actually <laughs> spot on the money when it comes to goals, actually uh, against XG against, which basically means that defensively we just we need to sort ourselves out. Actually, but I think we already know that as well from our from our perspective, you know. So, and I think it's exactly the same thing as well for Aston Villa. They're exactly where they're at as well against. So, like I said, that goes to show you it's going to be a slightly tight gain, and if we can actually um, tie them down and stop them from creating those chances, I tell you something. I think there's a, an interesting point here that the Allard made because. A lot of the goals that we do concede, what we they seem to be good. We seem to be like all right at conceding and blocking goals and shots in and around inside the area. So we, we're we're almost like comfortable with like allowing players to come in and come into our area, and we, we're happy with defending that. We seem to be a bit rubbish at times when the ball goes into the air, and we're not defending those type of things. But what we seem to do is that we seem to allow players to shoot from distance and the Allard talked about the fact that maybe it might be the fact that it's um, because these are such low quality chances we are quite happy to actually kind of give it to them to shoot from out there knowing that maybe kind of you know only you know five times out of a hundred it's meant to go into the back of the net now do you think that's a slightly dangerous kind of a approach or do you think that's just Brentford that's just the way that we should do things because we can't defend everything and we can't play every single way so if we're going to give in some area maybe that's the area that we need to give because it's been quite frustrating that a lot of the goals that have been scored against us have been scored in excess of 20 20 yards isn't it yeah we we, we've touched upon it a few times haven't we during the course of the season um where exceptional uh finishes um of 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 cause cause the net to bulge and you know we saw that with Morpé um again it was not an identical goal but Buendia at Villa um, he, he was, you know, he, he made us punish. It was a brilliant first goal from from Ivan Tony though that day. And I, I, what I'm looking for as, as well, Bill. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're on a defensive 
no, you're right. We need to try and cut them, cut cut those sort of balls at the edge of the area slightly further out, fall into players that are more than capable of getting a quality shot in. But I, I want us to. I'd like to see us score from open play. Um, I've, it seems a while since since I, I can like. It's not been a. It's not been a sort of like a long ball in or a, or a penalty. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see us cause a break and uh, and score score um, score a goal from uh, from from some like tricky wing play and across rather than a, as I say a long long punt in and a, and a header. Well, I think there's a stat out there actually saying that we're actually the third lowest team in the league in in sort of creating from open play. I think Burnley and Norwich are the other two teams which are kind of lower than us, which uh, probably says something. Again, I don't know if it says something about you know. And we keep talking about this about our first eleven, and you know when first eleven isn't in, we're not quite the same. So we've got our finger in the dam. But what I'll say to you is that obviously January window is coming. We're looking obviously at pulling in a creative player who literally is a player who will pick up with the ball, run with the ball, run at defenders, which is something that we you know, we've got players that could do that. But there's players that do that in a in a, in a Ben Rama esque way, which will will make a big big difference to us, like Lady, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I thought th- you know that's that's the, the extra quality. Um, that, that, that we'll be looking for in the window. So yeah, I, I think well, I think you know that's part of the learning curve as well, isn't it? They're, they're tight games. I mean, we haven't run away with any with any uh, with any matches this year. We, 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 we have to we have to make sure that we're in a game and then 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 take our chances. And it's, it's you know the it's been touched upon as well. Even after the defeat at Brighton, I think Christian Norgard said, you know, we have to we have to start games better. We have to. We have to not wait for the second half before we improve, and that's just part of the. Maybe that's part of the mindset, you know. Don't let don't keep in the game. It's only it's only once really, but uh, Burnley where where that's not happened. It was all over and done with at half time. So, um, um, even in the second half of Brighton, we came back and we could have got a point. So yeah, that's my New Year's resolution to see more more Brentford goals from from open play. That would be lovely. More Brentford goals from open play. So just just quickly, Laney, I'm just I'm just quickly just on this team. Any surprises? Do you think are going to be in the team? I mean, like you know, uh, again because we just you know thinking about this, you know, obviously we've got um, Fernandez in goal, you know, and we can assume it's going to be because he was on the bench against Manchester City. But do you think you know it's going to be Canos back at the right wing back, or do you think we're going to stick with Mads Roslev, like you know? And also in the centre as well, we've got the, you know, we've got the... We've got, we've got Pontus Janssen. Pontus, Mads Beck-Sorensen. Okay, so we've got there in, in the middle, which they're going to be the three. Like I said to you, you can see the Christmas pies and the, the Christmas champagne, everything like that is, is muzzling my brain. So we've got those three who are definitely going to be there as well. And then on, on, but on the left back as well, uh, we had Dominic Thompson who had a very good game, like I said, you defensively. So do you think that defence is going to stay the same? Yeah, um, I think Anos comes in. I, I think you know against Man City, we needed to be rigid. We needed a, a straight line of players that weren't really going to even really look to overlap and and, and bomb down the wings. Um, it was about keeping shape and and, and 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 kind of blocks of players that it was hard to kind of pass around. It's uh, it's different. It's different against Villa. Um, it's a game where Canos. Um, will be expected to to get forward, so he might have a little bit more energy from from you know not not playing from the start on uh, the other night. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting that. I'm I'm ho- also hoping that Brian and Bumo um, is is he might be nearer, but chances are he won't be. Um, and then Rico um, is is something that I think is a couple of weeks away. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping one or two return, um, but. 
you know it's, it's really difficult to shout at the moment isn't it with covid and injuries and rotation so yeah i think i definitely think Cano starts Cano starts and baptiste Otnyaka and jensen again in the midfield um is what you're thinking as well yeah 100 percent. there's no reason to change that jensen really put in a shift the other night that's right and then we sat up front with ivan tony if uh the mbumo is not available is that what you're thinking as well? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is all good so listen i'm going to ask you then on that team selection that you've got there, Laney, um, score prediction? I'm going to keep it simple. It's going to be a 2-1 Brentford win. Happy days. Happy days for you, and I'm going to go 2-0 Brentford win as well. We need to get ourselves on the map. First game of the new year, and after that we can, we can relax for about a month, because I don't think we've got any, got any games, any league games for about a month after well, that. Only Liverpool, much, Liverpool, you know? Liverpool, you're not counting that as oh, a yeah, league sorry. game? Yeah. That's all right, sorry, no, that's a, any home league games anyway, mm. you know. So uh, yeah, we've got Liverpool, which we're all very much looking forward to, hotels booked and everything like that, even though they have moved the game to a Sunday, but still, we'll make the most of that weekend. But we'll talk about that in another podcast. But anyway, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, brought to you by Anything Is Possible, AID, AIP.media. And I say B because they are bees, actually. They're bees from the South Coast. And like I said to you, um, don't forget to subscribe to us and also write a review on iTunes. Um, and uh, we will read that out at some stage. We're going to be very, very pleased, actually, to be going back to our regular routine next month of doing a podcast on a Wednesday night in the pub, doing a podcast after the match at the weekend, and then doing a Sunday morning review rather than the madness that we've had at the moment now. We're literally, we've had podcasts coming out of our arses the last month yeah. where we've had games and games and more games and games and podcasts. So we hope you've enjoyed it. It's been quite tough. It's been quite fun. It's been hard work. When I'm not, it's, uh, we wouldn't, as I said the other the last week, we wouldn't do it if we didn't love doing it, but it's uh, it's been uh, it's been it's been quite hard. Oh, juggling isn't it so uh, yeah. yeah if you fa- if you do fancy buying us a beer then uh, please do besotted.com forward slash beer as well you can check that out thank you to everybody who supported us as well like I said to you we keep getting more and more messages people coming up to us in the stands people coming to us and writing to us from abroad as well like you know not only our friend like I said we met down the pub the other day as well we've got some 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 Yankees as well the Sarnecki's coming over for the for the I think the Man City game and for the Crystal Palace game in February as well like you know they're literally flying over from Washington to come to be so we're picking up Brentford fans left right and centre at the moment now which is uh, something which is which is very new for us because we're normally used to having sort of kind of Scandinavian and Italian and sort of Dutch and sort of kind of German bees kind of coming over but we've, we're spreading our wings very much which is all good like I said to you now there will be a post-match podcast after the game on Sunday Aston Villa check that out on prideofwest.london they'll be back on our usual form as it is we'll be in the pub quite early I think all the uh, I think we've got the um, we've got a load of Villa fans as well coming down in their coaches they come down every year send us Christmas cards and everything like that as well which is which is all good the Sutton Coalfield Villa so like I said catch it and your crew be look forward to seeing you on Sunday buying you a beer as well on Sunday so they'll be down but other than that Laney uh, well, well first podcast of the new year how did it feel for you? It felt vaguely similar to last year, so uh, yeah, yeah. Um, happy, yeah. New, happy New Year, everyone! And um, as I said earlier, if, if 2022 is half as good as 2021, we're in for a cracking year. So yeah, enjoy. Here's to uh, here's to Brentford. Here's to uh, health and happiness. Here's to health and happiness, and here's to three points against the Villa. Fingers crossed. Come on, you bees! Come on, you bees!
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.